As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of Android's Dungeon, JJB, back from his spiritual journey. Is he different? We may never know. Or we'll find out immediately. Also, Harry in the studio. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario. It's a snowy one out there. I think, depending on what time you listen to this show, uh, if it is live, as you should be listening to it, or sometime afterward, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say you've been buried in in the snow. Uh, Possible shining situation developing. If you need help, use your psychic power to bother Joel, because I ain't coming. <laughs> I'm not Dick Halloran sitting there in my tacky apartment with, uh, for some reason, if it's, I always thought he was in a motel, <laughs> but uh, do you remember, have you seen The Shining here? Yep. Do you remember when uh, he's getting his message from Danny, because everything's mm-hmm. going very wrong, mm-hmm. and for some reason he's got two pictures of these topless um, women just hung up very prominently, but it's very stylistic, and they have giant afros. I just thought this man has incredible taste in, in artwork. <laughs> just very matter of fact photography as well. So, no, that didn't stick with you. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that at all. I'm not gonna lie. Nope. <laughs> it was so strange. <laughs> Amongst all the rest of the shining, anyway. Dude, uh, he just wanted his boob quota. Yeah, the, <laughs> the shining's got a decent amount. Uh, I have to say. In case anyone's worried about two hours. Anyway, check us out on all your favorite podcasting websites. Uh, Anchor is the service that we use, and it just goes everywhere, I think. Right, Joel? The Anchor. The Anchor. Uh, you can check us on Instagram at uh, Droid Dungeon Radio or Android Dungeon or something. I forget what it is. And uh, anyway, Joel's back. He's been. It feels like you've been gone forever, but it was just one week, right? Genesis Catafata, brother. I'm back from the West Coast. Oh, I wish you were still gone after that. Yeah, I don't know what that means. <laughs> just surfing on in from the West, baby. I, I hate all What's of good? this. What's good? What's <laughs> good? Oh, oh, man. <laughs> it's like dirtbag Matthew McConaughey just showed up, and I just can't get rid of him. It's been on my so couch. regular Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> There's many different stages of Matthew McConaughey. Uh, Skinny Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Did you ever get fat? Well, I was thinking extra skinny, you know, like when he won his Oscar in uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Oh, right, because he's usually a fairly buff guy, known for his uh, running down the beach doing sit-ups. Walking around without a shirt on. Yeah, of course. Uh, Speaking of walking around without your shirt on, Joel, what have you been up to lately? I'm not even going to ask what you've been playing. I've been walking around without my shirt on, baby. For those who don't know, Joel is sitting topless in the studio right now. It's violating several health codes. As he always does. And he's not wearing any shoes either. That's another. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I got a list of the twenty-seven. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. Uh, I I came up with. A, I found a list that's like the worst list ever of the twenty-seven best games of all time. Twenty-seven. That's a. F- 
Why 27? Like the, in their opinion, the 27? Yeah. So like Jack's list? <laughs> yeah, it's basically oh. Jack's list. Starts what about with, our crossover? Starts yeah, with, yeah. We had a lot of starts with Cards Against Humanity. So, you know, <laughs> it it's got to be ironic that somebody's putting... There's nothing wrong with Cranium. It's like Cards Against Humanity, Cranium, Gloomhaven. What? Um, root, Cosmic Encounter, Scythe, Mysterium, and then it just goes downhill from there. If you're going to go Jenga, Telestrations, like, Carcassonne, Trouble, this Risk... Is- Oh, Candyland oh, is okay. number 14. Number 13 is Guess Who. It was not that bad Pandemic, at the start. Betrayal, Axis and Allies, Villainous, Chess. A lot of people like Villainous. Connect I, Four, I don't know anything about him. Articulate, Battleship, Clue, Catan, Monopoly, and of course, number one, Scrabble. Okay. Ooh, this, wow. this list almost feels like somebody who knows better made it just, and they're just yeah. trying to be a tough like guy. Nobody could put Sori on a list. Sori is just off. Be serious about it. Jacob Osborne. Well, anyway, no, back to me. Let's talk about me. Please. Let's talk about me for a minute. Um, <laughs> that was a. I, I think I know what you were trying to do. <laughs> Wait, oh, never mind. Um, Some Canadian content for you. <laughs> Just talking about a lightest war sets your quota. <laughs> I got a shout out to a couple of places on the West Coast. So I went to Stormcrow Tavern. Classic. On fourth in Vancouver. It's just like any other game cafe you've been to, Jack, except you don't have to pay. Also, so, it's like themed like crazy. Mm. Was that the yeah. one you sent me the picture of? And you can roll a d20 for a shot. Oh, okay. You're into that. They have how many locations in Vancouver? Oh. Like three? Do they, have, do they have one in Toronto now? Oh, Stone maybe. Stone Crow. They'd have to... 401 would probably like find some kind of uh, bylaw to keep them out because they're not charging <laughs> for games. And I think uh, Snakes and Lattes is charging Stormcrow Manor, Toronto. Yeah, I knew it was. $8 a oh. visit. The manor. Yeah, Snakes and Lattes is a business. I think they make more money than you and I would care to know from, like, if it's eight person walking in to sit down just to play Scrabble or yeah. Risk or something. And, uh-huh. Or Trouble. Or Trouble. Because do you remember Trouble? Those are the top three games of all time. Yeah, according to uh, Mr. Osborne. But uh, I, it looks really cool. And this is where um, John's book was launched, actually, so... Oh, really? Hey. Yeah, he had helped the launch there. Oh, cool. The Stormcrow is like the perfect mix of real bar and game yeah. games. They, they they threw in enough games to be to entertain anybody, and most of them are party games, but you can still, like we found Azul, and so that was good enough. Yeah. Carcassonne, you know. I think my, my main worry about those sorts of places are it's like... It, it, Kind of like my main thing about that Harry Potter Harry Potter Cafe downtown Guelph. It's like mm. you can't start with the theme and then build around <laughs> yeah. it because you're going right. to scare people like me away. You need to have a cafe that happens to have some sort of theme and just do the job well and maybe I'll, I'll show up regardless of what's in there. Maybe. Well, speaking of snakes and lattes, anybody know what's going on with snakes and lattes Guelph? Maybe o- they're... Opening it, November 2019, not open mm. yet. Harry, what, what do you think? No clue. Not a word. No idea. I got this from John Fetima because, you know, he's in on it. I said, uh, you know, what's going on with it? He said, uh, it's not a great situation, TBH. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, did you at least get paid out? And he said, nope, crying face. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Why are we saying this on the air? (laughs) Yeah, 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 that's right. So who knows? Maybe he means crying face. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not yet, but everything's fine. Right. Crying with excitement. Um, Also hit up (laughs) Dave's Pop Culture, which, you know, is the place to be. Mm -hmm. I tried silver and gold. 
Have you have you played this? It's kind of like a roll and write. It's like a flip and write, but you're flipping like Tetris shapes, and then you put them on a map. Uh-huh. And it's really simple, you know. It's like once you finish a map, you start start a new one. Kind of like uh, what was that garden version? Cottage of garden, yeah. Cottage yeah. garden, yeah. Really easy. Um, probably about fifteen minutes play. Um, I have a report on tapestry for you guys. Okay. Oh. So these guys uh, back at Dave's have played about a dozen games of Tapestry. Okay. So, yeah. Um, some people really love it yep. and some people hate it. Uh, they all kind of agree with us on the things that suck about it. Yeah. Like the fact that it's not really cohesive and it's like five games in one. But uh, they like it for weird reasons. They like it because it forces them to play opposite of the way they would normally play a game. In what sense? Uh, this guy was saying he was like, he's usually super aggressive. So you like went across the map and conquered everybody and spread across everywhere. And then you lost by like hundred points. Okay. <laughs> and then he realized, you know, I don't know, you got to do less. You got to play slower. Mm. But the weird thing about it is here, here's a statement from them that I want you guys to gauge in on. They're saying like losing by 10 points on water deep or like kind of a standard uh, go around the track victory point thing is the same as losing by a hundred points in tapestry. Harry, uh, <laughs> no comment. Yeah, I don't know. Time. I mean, I've seen some pretty close games of, or we've played some pretty close games of tapestry. Uh, How many games of tapestry do you think you have under your belt right now? Under your belt, I would guess eight to ten. So yeah, fewer games, generally. fewer games, but comparable. I mean, enough games that we were able to put it aside and say this game was good. Let's not talk about it ever again. <laughs> uh, I mean, we'll, we'll probably play it again at some point, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious what they mentioned about, like, it makes them play differently. Like, it almost sounds like one could argue, I guess, that it would be a bad thing. Like, it, it doesn't let them do what they find enjoyable in the game, you know? Mm. Well, maybe they've played so many games, you know? It's like the owner of a game shop that they... Uh... They would like something refreshing. For sure. I, I will say that some really close friends of mine heard about the game, got really excited, purchased it like the same day, uh. and then played a game. And this whole time I was I was getting these updates from them and I was like, Uh-oh. Okay, I don't wanna don't wanna <laughs> tell you that you're going into this too quickly. It might it's not the best game in the world, in <laughs> my opinion. Uh but they loved it. Uh Hey, I didn't expect that. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I was I was like kinda concerned about their uh you know, hey, you guys are really excited, I don't wanna tell you that it's there's you know it's a it's like a solid seven out of ten in my so book. did you undersell it I, I just like i didn't sell it at all i mean i kind of waited i mean they basically bought it the same day and then played it uh and i just waited to see what they thought and their feedback was strictly positive <clears throat> they really liked it i mean they only played one game um but they're definitely going to play more and they're pretty happy with their purchase so <laughs> i mean and to be honest like i was pretty happy with my purchase too we played like eight to ten games of it. Yeah. It's better game, than most like games. Ninety you minutes. You buy. And, yeah, exactly. It's an expensive game, but you know. All right, one last thing before we move on from the West Coast report. That's it. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, Dave, uh, I was talking to them. You know, kind of giving <clears> them an update on what we've been up to. Uh, and I was talking about Dune. And I was talking about John Company and Pax and all these games. And they're like, No, yeah, no, we haven't played them. We haven't played them. And I. What I realized was that they kind of like have like a hard limit on time of games. Mm-hmm. They play like up to an hour and a half or like up to two hours, like max. Mm-hmm. Anything above that, they'll just not even touch it. Which is the weirdest thing because they play a ton of games. 
but they will not touch these heavy games. Now, hold on. When you say up to an hour and a half, two hours, game is that time. is that they can do one game and then they could do the same game right after for the same amount of time? Absolutely, yeah. All right, that makes no sense. So they'll <laughs> they'll like get together and play for an afternoon. I think it's a it's a yeah, matter of they... the weight. Like they just don't like heavy games, yeah. which is really <laughs> disturbing fine. because like you know. <clears throat> If I'm considering moving back to BC, I need people that are going to ah, be playing I uh, Here yeah, I Stand, yeah, you know? That's true. So <laughs> I might as well just stay in Guelph forever. <laughs> <laughs> or just you got to really start Ludovico techniquing people with a game under two hours. Just like, oh, it's awful. Yeah, yeah. That's not true. I started a game of saves, like, it's 45 minutes. And then, like, they, we finished 45 per minutes. Per <laughs> Ready for the second round. <laughs> I definitely, uh, like, I can maybe sympathize, like... I don't think this is true of any of us, but like I've played with a lot of players who the idea of playing the same game for more than two hours, just like mm-hmm. they'll get really like fatigued at the end of it, you know, and, mm. and get kind of tired and not want to finish the game, even if it's like going well or even if it's not that complex. It's just like, well, maybe we're getting into a bigger discussion here, but it's it's this two way, two way street for games that if somebody's getting fatigued after two hours or three hours or four hours of a game. Some of it's on the person, obviously. Like, if you can't, if you don't have the patience or the focus to do this, then whatever. That maybe this isn't for you. But on the other hand, if a game isn't grabbing you for this amount of time, then it doesn't matter who the person is. Like, for I can sure. sit there, engage the whole time, but I can still be miserable and be thinking, mm. I do not care about a game of this length. And I just think of some games like, let's say, Betrayal, that can be like two hours long and that fits under that time limit, but I can be checked out for. <laughs> two thirds of that because I just right. don't care at all either. So you got to get, you have to get to the point where you actually want people paying attention the whole time. And that's why I, I yeah. do like Civ so much is that you do feel like you're engaged. I do, I, I understand why someone would want to sit there. Like you have to block off that time. And if you're not doing well, it can feel like a slog. Mm. And especially those last couple rounds can get slow. Yeah, when you yes. have nothing to trade. And if you're on one side of the map and you're sitting there staring at Harry and Joel, like planning a move, and you're thinking, oh my God. Oh my God! I just, have military. <laughs> yeah, I'm military. Which isn't intended to be a direct insult. Just an example yeah. of just like you, For you sure. can be done. Which is one of the main appeals of the game is that you can take these simultaneous actions. But if you have to sit there, and, oh my God, I got to wait for this guy to go, and then they're actually no near my. Oh, which ones did I flip over? Whatever. So, so what like, I'm hearing, what I'm hearing is that you should go out west and introduce them to these games. Yeah. Like you should show them that I there are the long missionary. games that yeah. they can be. Uh, <laughs> uh, involved in long games like Dune, which I believe has a 120 minute playtime on the box. That's hilarious. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I could posit that also. Maybe I mean, it's a awesome. Sh- it's a shop, and there's a lot of people walking in and yeah. out, and maybe they want games that people could just drop in on. Or like maybe somebody walks in the door, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll be done in two and a half hours." They don't want that, right? So maybe yep. they want games that are. Quick turnover. I guess it all depends on what they're looking to get out of it too. Who and if knows? you're running a business, and let's say you're Snakes and Lattes or Stormcrow, or wherever, and like, what's your model? Stormcrow's not making money on people sitting down just and then leaving. They yep. need people. They want people to be buying stuff the whole time. So mm-hmm. in that sense, maybe longer games are better. But yeah. if people are bored the whole time, maybe they're just gonna go. So maybe shorter good games will get them excited, want to stay longer and buy more stuff. Yeah. If <laughs> I don't know, and <laughs> this you is know, tricky. like if you play more games, maybe they buy more games because it's true. More, uh... Anyway. Um... Dave said he bought a copy of Star Wars Rebellion. Cool. Hasn't had anybody able to play it with. Of course it's not. Too, it's too long for yeah. the clientele. But they they are playing a boatload of Gotham City Chronicles, of all things. Okay. 
which is like a 450 US dollar miniature game. Oh, wow. What, what is because it? some guy bought it and then nobody would play it with him. So he just gave it to the shop. Holy smokes. That's a donation. That's crazy. Yeah. Do, does he get to play people at the shop with So him? they do, they do get to play that a lot. Okay. Which I guess it's not really a long game per scenario. <clears> like <throat> apparently the setup takes about four times as long. Like you could be done the scenario in 15 minutes, but the setup is like at least uh-huh. an hour and 20. Well, first you have to paint the miniature. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, somebody pointed out something in a conversation I was reading recently where he was saying that similar to what we're talking about here, which is time constraints and what get, maximizing the value of your every minute. And he's, he was basically saying that he loves Gloomhaven and he thinks it's a fantastic game, but the setup is so daunting and annoying that it actually – he goes grab it and then it's like, ah. Oh. Yeah. And, and cause him sad. to just change his mind and do something a bit less cumbersome. For sure. The, the best thing that we did for Gloomhaven was having a table in someone's basement where it was permanently set up. Yeah. Never yeah. strike it down, never set it up. Just Brilliant. go over and start playing. We just need a whole house where each room is a different game. <laughs> just, yeah. Here's the Gloomhaven room. Here's the Civ room. Here's our two-week Twilight Struggle and Diplomacy games <laughs> in progress. <laughs> well, we had a good game of Twilight Struggle yesterday. Yeah, so let's move into that because that's a good organic segue here yeah. so uh harry what have you been playing recently oh i've been i've been playing some twilight struggle with joel actually um don't laugh uh that was a uh, that was something that was good <laughs> uh I'll, and i also played some dune this past saturday <laughs> moving on <Yeah. laughs> all right let's talk about twilight struggle because um, i heard there was an interesting ending to it which we're going to build up to in a second here. there was i mean yeah it was a uh, good both of us have played a decent amount of twilight struggle but we've never played <clears> each other so we both kind of entered with a good understanding of how the game works. This game has like a million unique cards, but we all had like a pretty good understanding of what the individual cards were. At least were. the big ones to look out At for, the scoring cards. And for sure. Uh, it was good. I think both of us, my biggest complaint about Twilight Struggle is that sometimes there can be very swingy results based on a single die roll, and that definitely came up. I oh, won yeah. some big die rolls at the beginning of the game that let me take a pretty good early game board advantage yeah harry went four for four on wars which was wow. very nice which were like at the perfect moment too indo-pakistani war swung asia and then korean war you just took like, it, all of asia all perfect and then uh israeli war you won and exactly. then you won and then a I bush war won a bush war in mexico steal mexico yeah which was like three units as well yeah. and all of these either gave me access to those regions or cut joel off of those regions yep. which was ideal so the perfect result uh, unfortunately, uh, I think I have been playing every game of Twilight Struggle with one other person. And one thing we haven't been watching out for is that there's like this DEFCON track. And if it gets down to one. How do you, stop, There's stop. thermonuclear war. <laughs> stop. How do you not pay attention to the most important track in the game? We pay attention to it, but I don't think we were looking for ways think, in which to end the game. I think defensively you were looking for it, but you were never right. aggressively looking to kill somebody with it. Exactly. Like we thought this is something that will not come up particularly often as long as we're aware that it's a, a thing. But the interaction of the cards is such that sometimes, and this happened to me, I ended up in a situation in which I had no choice except to end up in a thermonuclear war. Partly yeah. because I just wasn't paying attention to it like multiple card plays earlier. So just, just describe the situation where you had no choice but to start a nuclear war. So I'll, I'll preface this by saying the previous round, I started one just by playing a card. I had a choice to play the card or not to play the card, and I chose to play it, and Joel was like, hmm, interesting <laughs> choice here. <laughs> I kill you. Yes. And then he was, kind of, he was kind enough to let me take it back, and then we played until the next round. I still had that same card in hand, which let him take <laughs> some operations and do a coup in a battleground, which results in a thermonuclear war. 
um, I ended up in a situation where that was the last card in my hand. Uh, okay. Um, so for those it. who don't know Twilight Struggle, what happens is that if you start a war, a nuclear war, no matter what, it's if it's on your turn, you may not have done it. And then right. this is what Harry's describing here. So he played a card that was one of Joel's cards, and he played it. He had to give Joel the event. Joel's able to coup in an area, starts the – lowers the DEF CON? Lowers it? Lowers no. the DEF CON, yeah. Lowers the DEF CON. It's like, okay, Joel, you started uh, – uh, uh, my friend. It was on your turn. You gave right. me the ability to do I, so. I started the chain of events that yeah. resulted in Joel starting a thermonuclear war, which would then lose me the game. Yeah. And it was kind of an interesting situation that I could have – foreseen if i had looked at my hand of cards at the start and and known to like watch out for it um but then at the time eventually i had two cards in hand and there were two turns left so i had to play both i was like hmm were they both uh just as bad no um the other one was voice of america so it was going to be bad for him but it wasn't but it wouldn't end the game it wouldn't end the game but i i as i had to play both uh in the end so it's kind of cool it's something something uh Right, yeah. I don't think we would have uh, necessarily seen or watched out for as closely in yeah. uh, games with this other player who I play with. I think there ended up being a forced discard also, which ended up thinning your hand. Earlier, exactly. Earlier in the round, there was a forced discard. Which, I mean, people don't value it enough. I think uh, five-year plan and other cards which force your opponent to discard. Right. Not necessarily uh, great on that turn or situationally, and so, you are losing the three ops, but... All of a sudden, your opponent has significantly less options. Right. Yeah. And the, the game is built that so that you will have one card in hand at the end of each round, and you hold that card till the next round. But if you make yourself discard or your opponent makes you discard a card, um, you can't hold any cards. You have to play your entire hand, which is kind of a, a maybe a subtle but a, a big advantage. And in this yeah. case, that advantage resulted in... Which one was it? Uh, ...having to end the game. So I, I had green sales to Soviets. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you're looking at this exactly. This here. is the exactly. DEFCON suicide list. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Green so I had, I had grain sales to Soviets, which, in all of my previous games, has ever only been played. Um, so you could have played grain sales the turn before, lost, Voice of America, and then done nothing on the next turn. That's how you could have got out of it. No, no, I still couldn't have. I would have had to play it. So we were at DEFCON two since earlier in the round. And unfortunately, with grain sales, uh, when you play grain sales, the Soviets—that's <laughs> right. So You're I was screwed. the USSR, exactly. So I was the USSR. I played grain sales to Soviets. Eula would look at the other card in my hand. Oh, and then choose but then you to could choose one. to return it, and yeah. then still take two ops to coup. Yeah. So the only way out of it was to have to play this card when Defcon was at three, which right. which was which I think I had an opportunity to, yeah. but I basically had one opportunity to, and I needed to have done it. Mm. Um, that's so funny it's though. kind of interesting play cool interaction with the there rules is no card into. higher on the send to space priority list than grain sales <laughs> that's, that's right that's that's Hilarious. totally right. and that's the other thing is that he thought that once you reach a certain spot on the space track you're able to do that ability like not not that you if you're the only one there so once he was at the thing where it says you can space race twice he thought he could do it right which means that uh he thought he could but space because joel race. was already at that space it's, it's an interesting, like, it is a space the... race because it gives you abilities, but only if your opponent has not reached that point, mm-hmm. uh, which we had not really been playing, yeah. actually. I didn't know that either. I always thought it was just, like, as soon as you got that to that point, you always had it. It's like you've unlocked a right. permanent upgrade to yourself. Which is so. how we were playing, but this rule is much better because it really is a space yeah. race. It's, it's really a... Yeah. 
Really you can't let your opponent get too far ahead or else they get stacked multiple benefits. Right? That's right. Even if it weren't a DEFCON suicide card, the fact that it cuts your hand size makes it almost always unplayable. That's right. Being hit by Red Scare slash Purge while you have this in your hand is crippling. Yep. Mm. This yeah, card and correct. others like Voice of America exactly. is, the <laughs> reason, <laughs> is the reason why the USSR tries to hang on to the China card during the mid-war. I was looking, the perfect and actually wow. Joel brought that up too, hang on to the China card, but yeah. I was looking at those in the mid-war and my hand, That's I had hilarious. both of those and oh. What are the odds? Destroyed. <laughs> Destroyed. That's, that's funny. Anyway, it sounds like it was a fun game. How long did it last? Uh, it was a quick game. Two hours. We were both playing oh, pretty good. fast. It was two yeah. hours. And I think if we had played till the end of the game, either to 20 points or to the 10th turn, it might have been like three hours. Yep. I should so. get back in this. It's, it's such really a fun really game. It's just so such fun. a... I don't know. It's Everybody's another... getting into it, Jack. Come on. Might as well. Everybody's doing the twist. It's another game that it's like, I would like to leave it set up the whole time, but <laughs> yeah. it's, yeah, for sure. whatever. All right, cool. Anything else here? Uh, yeah, I played some Dune on Saturday. That was an interesting experience. All right. How many players? Uh, so full six players, full advanced rules, uh, awesome. except we, the only advanced rule we did not play with was the option, was the advanced Karama rules. What's the advanced Karama rule? The advanced Karama rules lets each of the factions gain a faction-specific th- action when they play a Karama card. I thought that was standard. Card. Yeah, I thought that was based. It's, it's, stand, it's, it's part of the advanced rules, but <clears throat> we decided to call it optional because of all the things you could and probably should cut in your first game, it would be a faction-specific Karama card. Uh, it makes sense because you do yeah. need to look them all up. Also, <laughs> yes, they're not on the card. Also, Karama cards already have three yeah. options to what you can do with them. <laughs> but that's so good. <laughs> I love the... the the Harkonnen one. I just think Trade it's absurd, though, people. that they uh, that information is buried yes. in the book. Yeah, it is like ridiculous. Page eleven of thirteen of the book. What did it? What would it have cost <laughs> you to print another card for each faction with your Krama specific ability, or find somewhere? Even in, if, in if the, they, I mean, if they put it on the, you already have player mats because it's asymmetric. Yeah, you already have a player mat with your no, faction no time. specific rules. No it, room. They could have just put it on there. No, mind anyway. your own business. For, for all of those reasons, that's the only rule we decided to play without. Uh, anyway, the game was interesting. I should bring it up just because it was probably the first game of Dune I've played that was not amazing. Oh. It, it was it was not uh, not stellar. Uh-oh. I know. I, it's a bad game You're probably Dune. surprised to hear that. And, and it's just because of the way things shaked out. So we had play, player elimination quite early. Um, so we had, uh, we had a combination. Don't say of... Atreides. If you say Atreides, I'll be. <laughs> no, no. We had, we, we had a pl- combination of the emperor playing, uh, family atomics. Okay. Which exposes what turn? The, the two cities. And I think this was on turn two. Okay. Either turn th- two or turn three, but I'm pretty sure it was on turn two. <clears throat> um, the emperor played family atomics, which exposes sure. those two cities. Yep. And then the Fremen player had, um, weather control in hand. <laughs> Classic. And so, and the Fremen player, and there was no coordination between the two. Uh, my friend Nigel was playing uh, the Emperor. Yeah. And he uh, he was like, oh, well, I'll just play Family Atomics because it'll be fun. When do you get to play this that? This happening. Like, the last three games we've played, somebody's just like, uh, get this Family Atomics. Why not? <laughs> well, here's a question. What what was his hand size like? Was he at max? Uh, I don't think he was at max at that point either. Maybe which, you're right, would be a reasonable. It's not it. a poor choice for the Emperor because you get so much cash Clean and you up. want to be able to yeah. keep your options open, I but you do lose game. your uh, I advantage. still don't think it was overall wrong to play it, but one of the things I'll mention, I guess it, it did eliminate two players, which was a problem. It wiped but out? I'll get into that. So okay. The, the Fremen player had uh, weather control, which lets sure. you choose how far the storm goes. Up now, the 12? Fremen player was sitting there. I think it's up to 10. Yeah. And they're sitting there and, and they're saying, okay, well, I'll just openly let everyone know that I have weather control. And pay me. Pay me. 
Exactly. Smart. Unfortunately, the result was 80 minutes of bargaining back and forth between every player at the board. <laughs> Jack is taking off his headphones. He's uh, it's the worst. It was just this one guy too. Well, I mean, was it was very it was adamant that he he needed to be 80 paid. 80 minutes. 80 minutes. It was like How? it was crazy, and it and was we were it? sitting there and like it was painful. How? Because I mean. As a result of him playing weather control, he had the option to eliminate both Harkonnen One and Atreides, or, or yeah. just uh, Harkonnen, or sorry, Atreides, just Atreides and not Harkonnen, yeah. or neither of them. Yeah. So he was looking there, and then the discussion basically was bargaining with Atreides to save himself. Yeah. Um, bargaining with Harkonnen and Atreides to save them both. Then bargaining with the other three people not at the table them. to pay him to not save them. After he'd already taken the money from the first people. Right, exactly. Whoa. So there was like multiple stages of bargaining. I, now, I don't think he was it was wrong to do this. As a result of his bargaining, he, he ended up, the Fremen player ended up in a situation in which like he was locked to win the game. And he did win the game. Um, but as a result of this, I have to, I, I, the next time we play Dune, especially with the same group of players... We're going to have to sit down. We're going to have to implement some kind of house rule to limit the bargaining. Because, just like uh, give a time limit Just put it? a timer down. Like you yeah, have five it, minutes to sort exactly. out your discussions. Put it, put a timer down or say one of the things we tossed around was that in bargaining, you can't you can't uh, give multiple things in a bargain. You can't give spice and a promise of future actions hmm. Um, hmm. just to simplify bargaining. Um, you can't have like multi-way bargains like get that stuff out of here try you know what i mean try a timer first but we should exactly we, we we're gonna try a timer probably the next you're time you're joking 80 minutes but yeah mm. 80 minutes i mean it took us a while within that 80 minutes that includes i should mention the emperor um playing uh atomic family atomics yeah. and resolving that and then us discussing it but yeah it was a. Uh, it was a very long time. Now, is was the game poor because of that giant wrench in the middle, or was it poor for other reasons so, on top of that? I mean, we, we spent, in addition to just that individual bargaining phase, we also <clears throat> spent a lot of the rest of the game engaging in very uh, long, drawn-out, complicated uh, bribes, which together, I would say just bribes did result in a serious slowdown of play. Uh, and I, I think, unfortunately, one of the <laughs> we're going to have a hard time getting one of the players to come back and play Dune again. Because his experience was that bad? Because he was so bored or because he just got like absolutely brutalized at every turn? Brutalized and bored. <laughs> exactly. And, and one of the things I would mention, so the extensive bargaining was one of the reasons why the game was not particularly fun. Yeah. Also, just a turn two or three family atomics, it wiped out these players. And as a result, this was the first game. Um, as a result of that and maybe like one mistake on each of their parts, um, they ended up with very few units on the board and very yeah. little spice. And you can claim Chome Charity to gain spice. It just takes you forever to get anywhere. But you get nothing back. And so they were not really in the game. And as a result, there were four players. And it was a 2v2 alliances facing each other of the strongest two players versus the weaker two players. Mm-hmm. The weaker two players, one of which was myself as the Bene Gesserit. And the Indeed. other one was the, the Emperor. And the Emperor typically gets a lot of money. How is... But in this game, because the two players were... So two people aren't buying anything. Two people aren't buying anything. And you have an alliance of two versus an alliance of two, which meant that we also weren't outbidding each other. Yeah. And so what would happen every bidding phase is that one of $1, us would hit hand $2. size, and then we wouldn't outbid the other person on our team. 
And so everything was going for one or two spice. And Where's the emperor it? had no way to get money. Where was the spacing guild and all this? The spacing guild was sitting in all this with like 55 spice. 55. Some ri- like why, ridiculous why amount of spice. That spice. Why didn't they get into an alliance? Why didn't you get an alliance with the spacing guild and let them they buy you up? Their they, they wouldn't break their alliance with the Fremen because the Fremen had an Oh, the Fremen and the spacing guild were the one The Fremen and the spacing oh, okay. guild were an alliance, which is interesting because... Like, every alliance in Dune has kind of a unique advantage they give each other. And the yeah. Fremen and the Spacing Guild is probably the weakest alliance because the Fremen don't need to ship. Yep. And uh, the Spacing Alliance, in this case, had all the spice they needed to pay for revivals. So were the Fremen loaded, too? The Fremen were kind of loaded, too, because typically it's the Atreides and Arconan that are fighting over spice that generates yep. on the map. So it was just an interesting game because our economy kind of broke down mm. and it became a 2v2 game. Mm-hmm. And it, in that specific situation, the combination of that with the bargaining was eh, not, not, a, not, a great, uh, not a great game. It is fragile. I think there, there are definitely, the few times we've played it, I can see cracks forming at times, but right. it's never threatened to shatter the entire game. It's just first time we played, I was virtually useless with the Atreides and I, like, I was having a good time, but at the same time it was frustrating. Uh, second time we played, um, it, it, it was fine. Nothing unremarkable or nothing remarkable. And the, but the third time, I think I definitely was looking around. It's like people, everyone has to be performing at a certain level or else it turns into any imbalance can be, it starts to magnify tremendously. Yeah. You true. need everyone keeping everyone else in check, especially in your case, which you've said too strong alliance they're not going anywhere, especially if they've right. knocked out two people and then exactly. the other two are weak. And, and unfortunately, it was the emperor that really was responsible for knocking out the other two people, which kind of leads me to this interesting conundrum of whether or not you should play something like Family Atomics because if it knocks out two players in a six-player game, that leaves four players, which will form a 2v2 alliance. Yep. And if you are the if weaker are two that, players, yeah. there's no way to kind of break the control of the map in a 2v2 situation. I've done a 180 on this. I think the Emperor should have held on to Family Atomics at all costs and only played it near the end of the game for like a one-two punch or Damn. kept it to make sure nobody else played it on him right. when he was getting set up and to And I kind of think special. so too. It's interesting that like I think 2v2 or 3v2, 2v2 particularly, it's too hard to overthrow the leaders. And so you kind of need these other players in the game just to act as allies or lackeys yeah. in order to kind of overthrow you, the leaders. You need a foil. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think a lot of games, sorry to interrupt you there, Joel, no, needs, and th- we're going to get into this when we talk about Pax Fear in a minute, need people to be um, cognizant of who is doing well and stopping them and not just sitting behind. And that's the problem with Dune is that your options to stop somebody who is ahead are limited mm-hmm. if you have been, let's say, wiped off the map in turn one and you're getting $2 a turn and sure. every troop you put down just gets destroyed almost instantly. Exactly. So, yeah. I, I guess at that point you could just start dumping in the sink and waiting. <laughs> just hoping for the best? <laughs> yeah, Maybe that's not the worst idea. Like, you play spoiler. You say, look, I've got this massive army here and I can move in to one of these territories, but yeah. whatever. All right, musical break, I think. We'll be back in a second. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was Dirt Roads and Firelight from Darkly Dreaming by Rory Mahone, which may or may not be a real name. I don't know. Recently released album from Burning Witches Records, one of my favorite labels these days. Uh, kind of, I don't know if the album is connected, uh, but each song kind of like almost stands on its own as... Uh, another relic from an age where uh, John Carpenter released an album, never made it. Yeah. So here you go. This one is right there. So fantastic stuff. Very, each one of these tracks is good enough that it's like, you can almost write a, a short story or something just based listening to it and thinking, all right, I can, or making a movie and just like kind of like setting up the scenes, the scene, seeing yeah. it in your mind's eye while it's going on. Tremendous I, uh, stuff. I should mention that Dirt Roads and Firelight is also the, uh, the title of my next modern country single. <laughs> <laughs> Harry, you're wearing plaid right now, and I believe you. <laughs> Dirt Roads and Firelight. I'd listen to that album. It's very evocative. So, Jack, <clears throat> what have you been playing? Uh, I've got a decent list here, so let's go Ooh. through. Um, that is a list. Actually, I'll start with the uh, the digital stuff. Um, He's going off list. I'm already. going off list, but I'm going to go to the list in a second before I forget about the digital stuff. So, two ones. Uh, I've been talking to these guys about it. I picked up Slay the Spire off of hum- Humble Bundle. Mm. Uh, for $13 dues, and it's been very well spent, $13 dues. Nice. Uh, I've logged probably a stupid amount of hours in that game because it's so it's very portable because I can just sit there uh, when I'm watching the dog uh, and have the computer going or cleaning up or something and just kind of like, eh, I'll do a couple hands and go for do something sure. else and whatever. But it is a deck builder, uh, how else to describe it? Deck builder roguelike uh, that has a very independent feel to it the the graphics can border on sometimes they look great sometimes they look <laughs> like some like something i might have made it's like 2d flash graphics 2d flash graphics but the everything it's smooth as butter and it is addictive as heck uh, it's got this system where you're going through and you have a hand of cards that have blocks and attacks and maybe a couple special ones you drop to five every time Anything you don't play goes in your discard pile. You've got a certain amount of energy that is basically how many cards you can play or whatever cost it is. And you just go from there. Every time you finish a fight, you get potion maybe, uh, you get some gold maybe, and you get a card maybe. And you want to try to build these decks based on what you think is going to be effective for this, these characters. And there are four characters and only played three of them. You pick up relics along the way, which are special items that provide bonuses and change your gameplay style. When you beat a boss, you get a relic that will potentially alter your gameplay, where it's like, all right, you get one more energy every turn, but your enemies are going to start with plus one strength every time. And you go down down the list from here. So very difficult. So what does the level look like? They're pretty bland. They are, you it, start... It looks very similar to, um, like, Faster Than Light kind of a style a map bit. where you have like a starting location and then you know there's like a branching path mm-hmm. kind of where there's like hey there's three branches and each of them leads to a different kind of fight or a shop or it's something. actually I've, the branching is important because especially because sometimes you get an ability if you don't even beat the first boss which is quite often with the one character i'm finding you get the option to because you start a game and there's always this weird whale that's talking to you and he says okay here's a gift and as part of not beating the boss he says well at least get to the boss and he says your first three fights all the enemies have one hp so then you're important because you're looking that's and you're like, saying okay i'm gonna try the best gift it's a really good gift because there are these elites that are guaranteed the drop relics and if you can plot your course properly you can just get there and chump change it with one attack and get a nice. relic which is incredible anyway if in case you haven't noticed it is i'm it is a fun game and i i've sunk enough time into it um 
where I feel confident recommending it to people. Slay the Spire. Slay the Spire. It isn't cheap if you buy it full price. It's like 30 bucks, which to me strikes me as a little expensive for the, the production quality, but for pure um, cash to uh, fun ratio, I think you could be very hard-pressed to find something else that's as interesting, especially for people who like board games and things like Dominion, Valley of the Kings, uh, DC. Anyone who understands deck building is instinctively going to understand this game, even though, like I was telling Joel before, yeah, the like option to get games. rid of cards is very, very limited in this Purge game. Purge is tough. Purge is tough, so mm -hmm. the next level is kind of a picking and choosing. You don't always have to take a card into your deck, but it hurts you to leave that card behind. It's very painful. Anyway, Slay the Spire. And the next one up is a game that just came into uh, Steam Early Access. And the only reason I picked it up is because I've been following the designer on uh, line for, feels like, three years. And it's a game called World of Horror. And it is a throwback to, um, I'm trying to, old uh, ZX Spectrum style uh, games as far as aesthetic goes, set on an island in Japan and you're moving around solving mysteries related to this general overall occult nightmare that is brewing. Mm. And uh, you kind of move through these locations and strange things are happening and you get into little fights with these monsters. The fighting is very strange uh, where you're queuing up actions and the, you, they take a certain amount of time and some of them are better than others. Meanwhile, the monsters are attacking you. You're trying to find items and... Uh, it is early access, so it is a little rough in places, but as, as style goes, you can't, it is utterly unique. And it is, I wouldn't necessarily put it as addicting as Slay the Spire because it doesn't feel as, it's not as fun, frankly, but as, it is a genuinely creepy game and the it is a, a um, dedication of love to <laughs> to the Junji Ito stories like Uzumaki, the, the oh, yeah. straight up references where you can find a, a cartoonist and you can share your experience with him and he'll pay you, but you <laughs> lose some nice. of your uh, like memories that is you've a high school drama? There, you can go to a high school. <laughs> there is drama, uh, but usually involves someone with scissors trying to cut your face open. So yeah. different type of drama. Anyway, those are the two. I don't know. It's a lot like this, some of the relationships. <laughs> <laughs> go on. <laughs> Uh, board games, second chance, got to play. I this oh, yeah. the game has rocketed up my list. Everyone loves it. I have yet to play it with somebody who just who disliked it. Everyone seems to be at best uh, or at worst ambivalent, and at best, I want to buy this uh, tomorrow. This is patchwork. Uh, it's like the drawing patchwork, yeah. uh, roll and write. Next one tried to do another roll and write, and I noticed that this is where you hit a bit of a wall. Welcome to. Have you? You played that. Yeah, with Welcome us, right? to is the one where you are uh, you're in a neighborhood. Yeah, that's right. And you're trying to like sell houses or something. You're you're trying to zone it. Yeah, and right. you're you're kind of constructing things, and it's got the system where you you draw you you have decks of three cards, and you flip them over, and you can take the number, and you have to write it somewhere in the line, but you can only ever put the number in the right sequence. Like higher number has to be higher, and lower number has to be lower, and you can take the associated action with it. But I noticed quickly that it. Uh, maybe is because we play Second Chance. Uh, the step up in complication was borderline insurmountable, in that the people we were with just it, there was it was too confusing. Welcome to is more complicated. Oh yes, yeah. I almost bought it the other day. It's very good. It's not that complicated. I'm just saying in comparison to what was going on, and maybe a couple drinks into, it's For just sure. starting to get a little confusing. And it's like okay, and you look at the two as kind of drawing games, but Welcome yeah. to is like a weird mathy logic game. It, it's similar to um, what was that game that you brought to Brothers the one time? 
Oh, to brothers. Quicksit or quacks or quicks. Yeah. yeah. You roll the dice and you you have to move your numbers along. Yeah. So it's something along those lines where you you are you're you're trying to anticipate what's coming up, but you're this one is even tougher because you have to make hard choices at times, like draw lines between things, and uh, crossing stuff off and doubling up and oh boy, how desperate am I to get these? So it's even got little. Um, it's a like calculation grid. A little bit. Like at the bottom, even when you're looking at your scores, you've got this sector and this sector. And this it, sector. Welcome to yeah, does the, the same the thing. The scoring yeah. is uh, in Well, that's what I mean, in yeah. Welcome to. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you were talking about Quicks. Anyway, it's, uh, I, I still think it's a great game, and if you can get, if maybe my teaching was poor, and if you can get people to play it, I think that especially people who are a little interested in something a little meatier, I think you could have a good time playing uh, this game. I would, li- I would lump silver and gold in that same <clears throat> category. As Welcome to? Because all of these, they're all involved writing in some way. Yeah. And they're all pretty simple 20-minute games or so. Yeah, the, the roll and write kind of filler. It's kind of a roll and write. It's like a more of a flip and write. Yeah. Right. Um, but well, I would say that my favorite out of all of these is your is your train one. The Railroad Inc. Yeah. Yeah. That one, see, and I, I had them both sort of in my hands, and I was just like, ah, I, I remember Welcome to More. <laughs> and yeah. that's what yeah, caused yeah. me to move away from it, but... Uh, and then we finished the night off with Cyclades, which I have not played hey. in forever. Oh, wow. You just kept, the yeah. more you drank, the it's more complicated the games yeah. you got. <laughs> and it's, the, one of the people there, one of our guests, he had played it before and he really liked it. Okay. So, and he actually, re- he remembered a good chunk of it. Uh, his girlfriend, this game, uh, brought out something in her that I had not seen <laughs> yet. Some ruthlessness? Uh, not ruthlessness, uh, rage. Oh. <laughs> Very. This reminds uh, me of a certain game of Kemet. Yeah, this <laughs> one was. Played since. Yeah. <laughs> This one was rough, and um, never have I been so thoroughly destroyed in Cyclades, and never have I seen someone um, <laughs> borderline abusing the person next to them for oh, wow. uh, trying to... Was it her partner? Yeah, for basically, he could he knocked her down the one island, and I was trying to say, no, it's not the worst, because that gives you four coins when you take Apollo, and she, mm-hmm. she wasn't hearing any of it. <laughs> Just like all the, all it was was, I used to have something, and now it's gone. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Uh, but it was a very the good game of Cyclades, minus the fact that he just got insanely wealthy. Like, I blinked, and all of a sudden he had more money than he knew what to do with. And then you couldn't bully him off of any of these god places, and he just got out of control. So crazy. I'll so, you. Uh, I still had a blast. And it's, I think Cyclades is it's still firmly rooted in this mix between Ameritrash and Euro. And it's got enough <laughs> yeah. of the, the decisions where you're actually caring about stuff. And that's what, kind of like what I was talking about with Yamatai, where it's like something here may be more optimal as far as my move, but it puts me last. And that gives yeah. my opponents three different things to do before me and all that stuff up there that they can possibly screw with me as well. So tough choices. Have you played Cyclades? No, but I guess it's it's really? a well well earned place on your essential games list. This, I, huh? I this really was do Jack's like top it. game for a while. It used to be my favorite game of all time. Yeah. Uh, I'll be sure to play it after it appeared on Jack and Harry's essential games lists. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to last episode. I have not edited that yet. It wasn't on my. Uh, it was number one, was it? I think it was your your number one area control slash dudes on a map game. I'll have to look up what I wrote. Better than Civ. No, Civ was its own category. Oh, okay. And speaking of Civ... Best Civ game, Civ. This weekend... No, this is my speech. Never mind. <laughs> my, uh, <laughs> my resigning. Yeah. Uh, was it... Harry's not. I do actually have oh, it here. Oh, tonight yeah. we're playing PAX. Yeah. That's right. I oh. have it here. Uh, your comment was, Area Control, Dudes on a Map, Auctions, Monsters, 
tough decisions every round, but suffers from a similar problem to Twilight Struggle in that you have to know the monster deck and anticipate Mm, what is coming to play optimally. Yeah, so every round was me just kind of explaining what was up there. And Sigley is the worst for that because Twilight Struggles is everything, that little bit there that dry, that turns into the unfair. Like, oh, I didn't yes. know that was going to happen. And then sure. that's just like, it's so explicit in Cyclades too. And some of those monsters are just strictly better than others. <clears throat> so. Well, they they all kind of, kind of like the Epic Deeds cards in uh, Inish. 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 That... Uh, they, they're very unique, and you're not always going to want this, but if the right time and the right, right. place, it's, it's like it just completely... Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, not much time left, so we're just going to blast this. Got, went to Toronto and got to play two games, uh, one of which... Oh, yeah. Where, That's did you why get you to play these heavy games. I was like, how did you get people to play Pax and Marinostrum? Pax is... I could trick people into playing Pax. <laughs> yeah. Marinostrum is a little trickier. So, uh, did you play Marinostrum? I have us? not. Okay, because I wasn't sure if you were part of it. Who was there? It was... You, me, Fetima, Stefan. Stefan. Stefan won without building a single unit, which drove me crazy. Was there <laughs> was there a fifth person? Was Curtis there? I, I think we played with full, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Mari Nostrum is a Civ game uh, set. Basically, imagine uh, you just took a slice of the Mediterranean, uh, like uh, you were playing Mega Civ or Western Empires, and you grabbed Carthage to Babylon and Rome to... Um, uh, Greece or Hellas, whatever they call them there, and uh, that's that's who you've got playing there. So I was Egypt in the bottom uh, the bottom corner, and it is I, I'm convinced now that if I want to play a quick civ game, that's the one that I would introduce to people. It's got oh, wow. techs in the form of buildings and leaders. Um, it's got a very observable end in that. You can end the game by having 12 unique goods or $12, and you just outright buy the pyramids and win the game. You can buy five of these techs or these buildings, end the game. You can be at the top of all of these tracks, and the tracks represent who has the most units on the map, who's got the most buildings. Um, I think there, there's another one I'm forgetting as well, but uh, you can look at it. You can see right there that, oh, look, Joel's doing super well on this one, but I've got these two, so if I can rise above this and at the end of my round have all these, yeah. boom, I've got this. And multiple people can win in the same round, but if you're the certain person that gets to resolve first, you just win instantly. Yeah, so, so there's no, like, finishing the round. Uh, there's a hero, there's Perseus. There's no more win cons than the other person. No. Yeah. So it, it plays quickly. It's got uh, the slight Ameritrashy elements because you've got dice and you get into fights, but you roll these dice that go from three to six with odd uh, denominations as well. Divide by five. <laughs> what the heck is going on? When we were playing, I was starting to think, we could have simplified this, I think. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, and for each uh, rounded down division of five, you assign a hit. They remove a unit. <laughs> you remove a unit, so on. I was trying to describe the the bidding too to Harry at lunch because we we were talking about uh, your post, right? And I, as far as I can recall, you put a good out and then you put a price on it, and no. then people take turns. No prices. Buying. So what it is is that, and this is where the trading element comes from, is that you're getting these goods every round, and you can't hold on to any of them. So you have to trade them. You can hold up the two bucks around, and the person who's the trade leader gets to determine how many goods are going to be up for trade this round. So they can decide, oh, do we want five? Do we want zero? And what's cool is they have to put that token down 
they can't make that choice again for another three rounds or until maybe someone else becomes a trade leader and they just refresh them. Um, But the only way to build things in this game is by trading in unique sets versus, so it's the opposite of Civ where you want uh, similar sets. So in this case, you're incentivized to trade with Harry because I'm even making a lot of papyrus. I can't hold on. I can't use these. Doubles are useless to me. So I got to trade here. Um, So I take from you. You can take from me. I'm not allowed to go back. But you bounce around until everyone has taken or traded their goods. And it's pretty quick. And haven't quite figured out the beyond not having doubles necessarily, mm. just the real finesse to it. But you want to keep an eye on players too because if you start putting too much money out and somebody already has a lot of money, they can just outright you buy... You win with 10 bucks or something? 12 bucks. 12 bucks. You just oh, wow. Win. You, cool. you could just acquire enough cash or and just... Or one be, of yeah, each yeah, yeah. good. Uh, or, yeah, one of each good. And there's even unique uh, goods as well. And some ca- some texts let you play around with this a little bit, too. So um, One of the weird things about it, Harry, is that the win condition is really not related to your presence on the map. Oh, well, one of them is. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there is a way to win with map presence? Well, that would be the, the winning like, on the tracks. Like top of the tracks? Yeah, winning the top of the tracks. So you'd have uh, to have very good presence. And then another way is you you occupy four cities at the end of your turn. Which is straight up just like militarized. Oh, yeah. just hold, hold the whole map. Yes, yeah, which seemed impossible. It's to like me. Dune. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can just mm, yeah. win. Anyway, tremendous game, and it's we'd only played it once before, and I think we had a pretty good time, uh, but it was kind of clumsy and didn't necessarily sit there and people say, "Okay, I want to play this again tomorrow." After playing this one, I feel very confident yeah. and comfortable to reintroduce it and see how other people respond to it. I can see where this came <clears> from because as soon as. As soon as Civ finished at uh, at Griffcon Shadow, uh, Michael, Michael wanted was to play saying, Mari Nostrum. I think we should play Mari Nostrum. Yeah, <laughs> which is and it gets into cool. the time limits, uh, time constraints. Civ right. was nine hours. How long does Mari Nostrum last? Two and a half, three hours, and that's learning. And I'm pretty sure if everyone knew what they were doing, two hours is uh, like on the far end of that. So cool. Uh, it's also a pretty game. It's well Pax well go? produced. Uh, Pax Premier is still a tremendous game. But teaching it is such a pain, just oh, yeah. an absolute pain, even to people who know the series. Um, and these are ASL players. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> but it, it's just one of these things that you, my voice was going hoarse by the end of explaining this. And I keep, I'm missing things too. It's like, okay, I'm doing this and doing this. And then I'm like, oh, but I forgot about this part here. <laughs> and then, oh, I forgot how you even win the game. And oh, by the way, this one's doubled on this turn. And it's, it's a tremendous game, but my God, is it, it is just it's it's very difficult to teach and i think it's even more difficult for a new person to and harry you can speak to this i'm sure um to really grasp what exactly you're doing it is a very difficult game to understand how you should be playing even once you understand the rules like you sit down and every turn you start five games in i still don't have a clue exactly (laughs) and it's just you're you're doing trying to do your best (laughs) that's the the best way i'll put it and um, I think the last thing I will say about it is because we're running out of time is that <clears throat> the Michael commented afterwards saying that he felt that he really enjoyed it, but he felt like he was behind and there was no way for him to get back, uh, get back into the game. And I, I could see where he was coming from. But at the same time, I, I was thinking, too, that something about Pax Manure is really cool is that it, you, it facilitates the forming of these ad hoc alliances mm-hmm. where if I see Joel as ahead, there's zero incentive for me to continue propping up his, right. his point accumulation. So I should turn around and say to Harry, why let's don't work, we let's work, let's, let's work together. Let's it's stop like this nonsense. Whatever two people are behind in score should, cre- should just join a faction 
and just try to make that thing hundred percent and that's it and because you can and that's where the cynicism can kind of get into where it's yeah. like i can be like well joel may be winning but if i tie my horse to him i can get an extra couple points and then i'll try to stab him in the back but yeah. at that point you might be saying all right it's too late but at least yeah. you have a chance because it's double score at the last one yeah keep that in mind anyway uh so that was my rapid run through it was it actually did. a fair amount more than normal. So. Yeah. Good job, Rado. Yeah, Rado. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, uh, Joel, good to see you yeah. back in the studio. I'm back. I'm Joel. Yeah. Who are you? Uh, it's Harry. Hi. Oh. Have a goodbye. I'm Jack. Thank you. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs>